need to come forth this morning. Speak to us. Let our ears and our hearts be open to hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, return to hope. Return to hope. In the middle of the mystery, um, I don't know if you've ever been hacked, Emily. Hopefully not. But I was willingly hacked this week. I've been having some ongoing problems with my network solutions email base on my Mac I've spent quite a bit of money, gone to several places, and finally I just took it back to the source. Everyone say the source. Called Network Solutions and said, you know, you shut me down because you said spam mail was coming from my account in December. I've been unable to send. I've spent this much money. I've gone to professionals. It still won't work. And they said, well, you know what? We have a new geek squad now connected to Network Solutions. We're going to connect you to them. You get one free time. So I said, I'll take it. So I was connected. I ended up speaking to people in Nova Scotia, Africa, and all parts of the world. And what was interesting is this man named Aaron said, I need you to go into this and type this, and I'm going to take over your Mac. You're going to see me moving things on your Mac. It was pretty amazing because while he was doing it and talking to me and trying to fix and look, and he did fix it, and it was their fault. Someone say their fault. After he did fix it. But while he was moving, he said, well, now let me try this. And I so badly wanted to grab the mouse and help him get to where he needed to go quicker. Anybody with me? I wanted to just say, you were, but he was trying to control it from Nova Scotia. I could see where he was coming from because I was reading his email at the same time and also chit-chatting with him, as I usually do with people. Too much chit-chat, I'm sure. And I could see him trying to move it, but I knew I could get him there faster. But I realized if I wanted him to fix the issue I had complained about, come on somebody, spent money about, been frustrated about, complained about since December of 2018, come on people, that is just not right, that I needed to let him do what he was called to do and paid to do, though I wasn't paying him. And I watched him. Another guy from Canada had already tried, but Aaron from Nova Scotia got in there and he finally got to the source and he said, you're right, they did shut you down. There's seven ways I can remove this. I watched him as he went through the seven ways. The end of the story is he fixed my Mac. Give Aaron from Nova Scotia a hand, even though he's not here today. But what I learned is the same thing it is with the Lord. He comes in the book of Zechariah to speak to his people through the prophet Zechariah. And he says, return to hope. And when we come in and we sing the songs of worship this morning and we hear the word of God, in essence, if I may present to you that the spirit of the Lord is trying to hack us. He's trying to take over our mind and our soul. It doesn't take our will. Your will is given by God. But he's trying to move you into the zone that he can change and help you change the way you think. But often what happens is we go to take the work of God into our own hands. We think, especially us control freaks, and there's more than me in this house that are control freaks. Um, I know it. But we try to take it out of his hands and make it fix. We want to do it. We're the task people. We're the responsible people. But when the Lord shows up to the people of Israel through the prophet Zechariah, he says to them, you know what? In the middle of the mystery of you not being able to figure out exactly everything I'm doing in your life. Is anyone in this room absolutely convinced you know everything God's doing in your life? Raise your hand because you're ready for a one-person rapture. Just go on up. Just say no. None of us know. And in the middle of the mystery, God speaks to these people. And he's speaking to us this morning. And he's saying, come on. Raise your hallelujah. Raise your hallelujah. Raise a shout. Raise a praise. In fact, what I read to you, he said, shout, Zion. Everyone just shout. You say, I don't know what to shout. That's up to you. Just shout. 
And he's getting them to shout. He's getting to speak to their faith. One thing that we know by what God speaks to them, we know what's going on. And the word of God is effective for us today. It speaks to us. I'm not going to leave that alone because I could go on for hours about the word of God because I believe it. But here's the deal. What we know is in the chapter before, he said to them, this is what the Lord Almighty says, Kimmy. All this may seem impossible to you now because you feel small, you feel discouraged. But do you think this is impossible for me, says the Lord Almighty? And he says, no. Someone say no. He says, take heart and finish the task. What that tells me, Bailey, is these people had lost their identity as children of God. They were halfway in the middle of rebuilding the temple. A few Sundays ago, I spoke from the book of Zechariah about Zerubbabel and how Zechariah put his arm around Zerubbabel. Do you remember? And said, what is this great mountain before you? It shall be made a plain. Two chapters later, Zechariah comes back to the whole people and he says to them, the work that God is doing in your life right now is an open rebuke to the powers of darkness. Can you say amen? What God is doing right now in your life, you can't see, but it seems like a mystery. I don't know about you, Kosher, but I love mysteries. But I don't like cheesy mysteries. And if I'm watching a show, I can drive Pastor Hank crazy. Because in five minutes I said, she did it. Look at his expression. And her, she was involved. And he'll look at me like, how do you know that? I said, wait till the end of the show. I just know it because I'm a people watcher. And usually I'm right. But don't you love it when you watch a mystery and they do the unexpected? And the who did it was not who thought you thought did it. Can you say Amen. And in that, that deep mystery. But we don't like mystery so much when it's about our life. When I can't figure out what in the world God is doing. Why he's not answered this. Why this has not happened. Why this did happen. Why I did this. And Zachariah stands up. And again, as I said a few weeks ago, he gives a word that's absurd. Return to your fortress of hope. Return to your stronghold. Be a prisoner of hope. You know, God speaks a word that's absurd. Everyone say that's absurd. He doesn't go and measure with this ruler what's going on in your life before he stands up and says what he thinks about you and your future. He stands up and says it without measuring who you are. For every reason in your mind you think it couldn't come true, God speaks what he sees, and he says, Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope, for even now I will restore double to you. I love what the New Living Translation says. I'll give you two mercies for every woe. Someone say two mercies for every woe. How many had some woes in your life? Now, if I was at my black brothers and sisters, we'd woe together right now. But you bunch of white people, you got nothing. But anyway, we're going to go on. But you're great listeners, and I love you so much. Um, but he speaks, you're absurd. He speaks an absurd word. Absurd means ridiculously unreasonable. Someone say ridiculously unreasonable. But God doesn't check your, God doesn't check your logic. God doesn't read your book on logic. God doesn't tabulate your past. He doesn't talk about your ancestors. He doesn't list the things that you failed out. He just says, this is what I see. And if you align yourself with me and my purposes, this is what's going to happen. It seems ridiculous, just as it was for God to tell Abraham he would have a son when he was way too old and his body was as good as dead. That's absurd. Someone say absurd. Just as ridiculous for Moses to go to the leader of the largest empire and tell him God's going to strike this country to its knees and God's going to bring blood into the Nile and God's going to bring down your firstborn son and God's going to infest this land with locusts. Absurd. Everyone say absurd. But God did it. Just as absurd it was for Joseph to enter Egypt as a slave, falsely accused, imprisoned against his own belief, imprisoned for something he didn't do. But for God to say, Joseph, listen to me. 
This is for a word for so many this morning. You're going in like a slave, but you're coming out strong. Come on, somebody. You're going in shackled, but you're coming out strong. You're going in weak, and you're going in misunderstood, but you're going to come out of this trial very strong. And I want to say to you today, if you don't know the history of the people of Israel, Joseph went in as one to Egypt, but on that morning after the Exodus, one million plus Jews marched out of Egypt strong when God says you're going to come out when God says he's going to do something you can't imagine he knows how to bring it to pass he knows how to do it because he alone is God somebody give him praise this morning calm down Pastor Rhonda well I'll try that means when God says to you your marriage is going to be one of the most blessed marriages on the earth but you just thought last night how you might poison your spouse don't look around you say that's absurd Lord God comes to you and say, you're going to go to the nations. And you can't even show up for Wednesday night. Oh, I'm just going to back up right there and just turn the circle. God says to you, you're going to do something powerful. But you can't, you say, I can't, I can't do that, Lord. I can't even get my lazy back in out of the bed when the alarm goes off. This morning I had to listen to Juanita Bynum for an hour singing me awake. I'd already been awake two hours. But she kept singing and singing. I thought that's what people do. They just stay in bed. But you know what? God looks at my ability to not get out of bed, which I'm up too early. So that's not me. But I'm just saying if it were. Because when I was young, trust me. In fact, I'll tell you something funny. I grew up with a mother who was a, just work. She could work any man under the table. So could my sister. Most of my life I spent watching TV, laying down, taking naps, uh, developing social circles, creating theater in different places. And I just thought I'd be a slug waiting on a snail the rest of my life. Come on, somebody. And I was keeping my mom thirsty, and I'd done all my work, and the fireplace was going. I kicked back my recliner while my daddy was running errands, and I just napped. And when I went to nap, if you don't understand Alzheimer's, and I don't want to give a two picture, my mother's side, she'd get up and move chairs all over the house. And I called my sister, and I said, guess what? I have just re-experienced our childhood. And she said, oh, tell me what happened. I said, Renee, um, I laid down and took a nap while mother worked all over the house. Come on, somebody. But you know what? God says what he sees over you, even though it seems absurd to you. You might not be able to hold down a job. You might not be able to show up on time. But if God says he's called you, which he has, and he's blessed you, which he has, and he's purposed you, which he has, it doesn't matter. God consistently shows up at the best and worst times to uncover, remind, and rehearse what he sees in us. It may sound absurd to your Aunt Betty, and my mama and daddy would have never dreamed, though they saw greatness through the spirit, but in the flesh they didn't. But I'm going to tell you, when I grew up and they saw me starting to rule the world, they're like, who is this? This girl and what's happened my daddy said I knew one day the Holy Spirit would get a hold of her I knew one day she'd get her feet planted I knew one day she'd outwork all of us I knew one day she'd be the most responsible even though growing up my God we thought if this child brings another theater idea to us we're gonna scream I'm gonna tell you God will fulfill his purposes to you he doesn't check your past come on somebody he doesn't check your present he doesn't check man's opinion he simply does it he called Abraham to be a father he called Jacob into be Israel he called Joseph the dreamer to rule nations he called Moses out of captivity into the nation he called Deborah out was underneath one palm tree but she began to lead into battle and begin a mother in Israel he called a little servant girl named JL and she crushed the head of the enemy he called Gideon who was the smallest and the 
weakest. I always identify with Gideon. I was the least likely to succeed. But once I got in the right vein with the Holy Spirit, I excelled in ways that made my family freak out. Esther was an orphan. David was a shepherd. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. But God spoke a word that was absurd over them. But God knew in his words was the power to bring that thing to pass. Somebody praise him this morning. Before I get to my first point, if you're not careful, you'll get into hopelessness. He said, your king's coming to you. You prisoners of hope, lock yourself up in hope. Lock yourself up in hope. Return to your stronghold. Hopelessness, in case you don't know, is a resignation of resistance. When you lose hope, you resign to not resist anymore. As long as you've got some resistance. As long as you resist sickness, you know, with the word of God. As long as you resist depression with the word of God. As long as you resist your, your unbelief with the word of God. As long as you resist your past with the word of God, you're okay. But when you get hopelessness, it's a cessation of effort. Cessation of effort. You stop trying and you stop giving effort. Someone say no. When you lose hope, this is how what you say in your mind. This is how it's always going to be. When you lose hope about anything, about your finances, about your job, about your relationships, about your future, what you say is, this is how it's always going to be, so I'm just going to resign myself to accept it instead of resisting. I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes just always keep moving. Look at your neighbor and say, keep moving. I've said this for many years. You may have to crawl on your belly to your next appointment, but crawl on your belly if you must. Keep moving. Don't stop. Keep moving. Keep anticipating something great. Hope is entitled future anticipation of good. It means I know that God is up to something. Look at somebody and say, I know God is up to something. You know what? You might be here today and go away tomorrow. The people in your life may be here today in your life. They may go away tomorrow. But I'm going to tell you something about God. He is ever faithful. Just when you can't see him in front of you, he is taking the back street. The back street. He's taking the back street boys to supper. He's taking a backstroke and coming up behind you. So he can come up behind you and surprise you. In fact, when the waters were parted at the Red Sea. I needed that laugh. When the waters were parted at the Red Sea, it says God reached from behind and he began. And it says, who among the gods is like you, O Lord? majestic and glorious he blew the breath and the sea covered them and sank the enemies into the sea someone give the lord a hand clap of praise but pastor Rhonda, he's so quiet i'm gonna tell you something as a mama what happens when your kids are quiet honey they're building a new wing on your house one time christine was so quiet the little piper piper that she is my talkative daughter like me and uh she had did an artistic uh, drawing all the way up and down the hallway on the wall. All the way. It was, you know, beautiful in her mind. One time, Courtney got quiet. She was my more quiet child until you get to know her. And she was flushing seashells down the commodes upstairs. <laughs> and our secretary at the time, Denise Goins, they passed her at Watts Bar, heard them as they rattled down through the pipes to her desk. We still laugh about that. Sometimes, you know, when your kids are quiet, someone say, when your kids are quiet, they're up to something. I mean, as long as you can hear them, you know something's going on. I'm going to tell you something about God. Just because he's quiet does not mean he's not working in your behalf. Someone say amen. Just because he's quiet. Because the Bible says in Psalms 91, God has an irreversible condition. I love that. That's the way I say it. He has a, a condition that cannot be reversed by your actions by man. He has set his love upon you. Look at your neighbor and say, he has set his love upon you and because of that he's always working he may seem quiet 
Let's get into point number one. Because this is, it says your king's coming to you. But when this scripture was fulfilled, he was speaking to the people of Israel. I'm not going to really preach about that, though. I love to. Someday in seminary when I'm 105 and teaching seminary students, I'm just going to stay in Zechariah for months. And they'll love it. But at any rate. Um, but here's the deal. They missed it when this was fulfilled. Because they weren't looking for the right thing. So my first point is right now is what messes us up in the middle of the mystery is how he comes. How he comes. When he comes for us. When he comes to intervene. When he comes to work a miracle. Because it says your king is coming to you. Can you imagine Israel Brooke? They're so excited. I mean they're trying to rebuild. They're weary. They're tired. They're human. They're overwhelmed with responsibilities. And all of a sudden they get a word. Your king is coming to you. And boy, they can just expect this, you know, like, you know, tankers, like military trucks, like great envoys of people. But it says, no, your king's coming to you riding on a baby donkey. Come on, somebody. I need a king riding at least a horse. Can I get a witness? I mean, a baby donkey is going to slow you down, Jesus, a baby donkey. And one translation says it's so cute. It says it didn't just leave there, a coat, a foal of a donkey. It's like if that wasn't enough, we're just going to narrow this down to how small this little donkey's going to be when Jesus rides in, which is foretelling of when Jesus comes into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday. But here, sometimes we miss God, we miss Jesus because he comes in ways we don't think he's going to come. Can I get an amen? You see, we don't dictate to God the way he's going to bring your answer. We don't give to God a blueprint of our miracle. Oh, we've tried. Anybody else with me? I've tried. You can do it this way. And then at 4 o'clock, just turn this around. And then at 6, come on, somebody, wave a hand. Let the angels take a snapshot. We get like spoiled children. Someone say spoiled children. You know what, God? If you can't do it by now the way I want you to, just forget it. Forget it. Forget it. I'll just resign my resistance and slip back into hopelessness because you didn't come through for me. Sometimes we miss the experience God wants us to have by the way God comes to us. Sometimes he even works through our disappointments to do the work in us by what he sends and how he sends it. He's coming, yes. And Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, someone say exceedingly, above what we can ask or imagine, but it's how he comes. You know what? You're looking for your boss to notice you, but it might be the janitor that notices you. And he tells somebody what a faithful person you are. We're looking for attention from this one or that one that we think are our answer. And Jesus is thinking, that's not the way this is going to happen. It's not the way this is going to happen. We're looking. I mean, there's people that I have almost dismissed in my life. I want to get to that in a moment. But let me read a couple of this. Lowly and riding on a donkey. The expectation gap of what we expect, what we see, and what we momentarily experience causes us to miss him coming in the middle of the mystery. Don't let what you expected to keep you from what God wants you to experience. If I just say to the Lord, you're going to come this way. I'm going to be in the middle of a service. This is how it's going to look, Holy Spirit. Now, I would like to be slain. It'll happen right over here. I'm going to be healed by that tree. And then when that's done, I'd like for them to bring me cookies and fresh milk. <laughs> Someone say amen. Since we think of ourselves as Santa Claus, why not? Cookies and milk. But here you go. Someone say Expectations. God wants you to experience him coming to you in ways you didn't imagine. And sometimes, Nicole, we dismiss the people God will use. They maybe are usually and almost always not behind the pulpit. God uses for Naaman, who had leprosy, he used his servant. It said, Naaman, you got to go see the prophet. And then when the prophet told him what to do, the servant said, Naaman, if he had told you something great, you would have done it. This is simple. Just dip in the Jordan. 
This was a servant girl, a slave, probably someone that had never been married or never would be married. But God chose to come to Naaman through her. Be careful who you dismiss in your life. Esther was taught how to be a queen by the servants. And most of those servants were people that she had passed over to be queen. That goes to prove that just even your haters can be used to bring you to your destiny. Oh, just give God praise for that. That's good. Come on. Come on. Come on. Give God praise for that. Even the naysayers, even the disgruntled against you, even those, we don't know why people will never like us. Stop trying to get them to like you. You just do what God has called you to do. But they can even be used to bring you to your destiny. We're at City of Faith for about... um, Nine weeks in our early remarriage, and we were evangelists. Pastor Hank had gallbladder that was removed. There was great, great um, complications. We ended up being there for eight weeks. That was a a hospital uh, funded and started by the great healer, Oral Roberts. Now, you would have thought Oral Roberts would come down, and he did pay. I never met him, but he paid our whole bill. It was hundreds of thousands of dollars. He paid it because we were evangelists. I never met him. He paid every penny of it. But there was a little prayer partner named Michael Moss who would come. We just found him on Facebook. We would just talk about him often. He would come and pray with us. He would come and encourage. This is probably one of the most darkest times of my life because I lived in a little, um, I'm not here to talk about that today, but a little hospital room on the 13th floor um, with some other people that, those nine weeks. And we didn't have anything. They gave me a voucher so I could eat in the cafeteria. It was pretty humbling. It was, it was just so much happened in that time. Pastor Hank is told he almost died there. But he ministered to us. Jesus came through Michael Moss. But listen, if I'd been looking for Oral Roberts to come talk to me, I'd still be at City of Faith. Can I get an amen? Let Jesus use. There was a little black girl there that would clean the bathrooms. And, and often in my distress, I'd hear her say, Father Abraham woo, had many sons. Because she's had a lot of soul. And many sons, hallelujah, had father. Oh, glory to God. And I am one of them. And she'd be in there just cleaning. I'm telling you, when she was in there, I couldn't decide. Was she a real human or was she an angel? Are you with me? Because Jesus used her. I'm going to tell you something. Don't overlook the way Jesus comes. The Bible said he came lowly. Someone say lowly. He came lowly. When he rode into Jerusalem on that donkey that day on Palm Sunday, the crowd was divided. Half of them said he's a demon and wanted to kill him, including every religious person that lived on the planet Earth at that day. Every Bible scholar wanted to kill him. But then there was a half of the crew, the poor and the misunderstood, that called him Messiah. But even as he came lowly, just, and having salvation, listen, Jesus may come looking lowly into your life. He looked lowly coming in to Jerusalem that day. And people didn't know, but the children were were shouting out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were shouting out, and People tried to quiet him. Jesus said, let them speak. Because if they don't speak, these rocks around me are going to start crying out. Hosanna in the highest. They knew that was the son of the living God. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus came in looking lowly and people didn't recognize him. So they missed his coming. Don't let the way Jesus chooses to come into your life and make a way where there's no way and open doors distract you by the way he works or the people he looks. Because I'm going to tell you something. Early on that Sunday morning there was nothing lowly about it when the spirit of the Lord went to the center of the damned and the Bible says he resurrected Jesus from the very hands of Satan and put him at the right hand of the father and Jesus put his blood on the mercy seat and yelled it is finished the earthquake came the tomb was rolled away you see you and I have got to look at the end as the results not as Jesus comes so 
I'm going to say to you today, welcome whomever Jesus wants to use in your life. It may be the person that gets on your last nerve. It may be the preacher you can't stand like me. It may be the song you don't want to hear on the radio. It may be something you never imagined. But let Jesus come the way he wants to come. It may look lowly. It may look little. But the result says just as surely as he resurrected to the right hand of the Father, so is he resurrecting and doing miracles in your life today. Praise him. And I'm done with point one. Come on. Praise him. Come on. Give him a shout of praise in this house. Secondly, we miss him when he comes. Because when he comes. The when. Boy, that gets us all in trouble, doesn't it? The expectation robs us of hope. I mean, let's, let's think about it. It used to take us three to four hours to download a pic. Now, if anything goes wrong and you're getting slow Wi-Fi, you feel like you're in the third level of hell. Can I get an amen? You feel like your name should go in the Fox's Book of Martyrs with all the persecuted of Jesus Christ. You try to decide yourself, which I did this week as I argued with Amazon. I actually threw our Roku across the room as Pastor Hank just, just watched me. I mean, he just sat and watched me. I got so mad talking to Amazon, I went... Like that. And he's looking at me like, don't you cuss, you know. But I threw the Roku across the room. I was so mad. I was like, curse the day I was born because I can't get into my Amazon account. Can you with me? We don't wait too well these days. Anybody with me? Anybody with me? Lift your hand. Come on, keep moving with me. We got about 10 more minutes. Come on, hang with me because I get to the third point. Our expectations are so big. And Jesus had these best friends named Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And he heard that Lazarus was dying, and he waited. Everyone say he waited. What do you do when the God who has the last word doesn't speak when you want him to? What do you do? What do you do, Tammy, when the one that's supposed to love you? Because we have expectations, two most expectations. The people we have the most expectations on, let me slow down, are number one, the ones we've done the most for. Anybody with me? I have to really watch this in ministry because if I've done a lot for you, whew, I have to kneel at the cross. I have to kneel at the cross. I have to kneel at the cross. Kneel at the cross. And secondly, people who have done the most for us, we put the most expectations on. Like a crying baby, keep giving me my bottle till I'm 110. Can I get an amen? Keep taking care of me. This expectation gap when he doesn't come and Jesus waits, you know the story. He momentarily disappoints them. So that can, he can exceed their expectations. And here's the deal. I want you to get this. The story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, we all know he resurrected. Everyone say amen. But you realize they didn't know that, right? You realize that they didn't have a plot summary. You realize they didn't have the next verse. That they're standing there knowing that they are Jesus' very best friends. It said, Lazarus, whom Jesus loved. And here they are so disappointed. And... What do we do when God has a different plan about coming through for us than we thought he did? Or he's going to do what we want him to do in a different way. Waiting pulverizes us. It surfaces garbage in our hearts. Like me with a Roku. Can I get an amen? Have you been in line and then counted the person in the next line to see if you were right going in that line and beating them? Okay, that's only as high task people. I keep my eye on them. Did I, did I beat them? Did I get in the right lane? I mean, if I'm driving through a drive-thru because we just want to get there. Someone say, get there. Delayed answers, we ask God, what are you doing, Lord? What are you doing? Why haven't you answered me yet, Lord? Why, why haven't you come? And Mary and Martha, I'm sure, thought that. And Jesus says in that situation, many others, what I'm doing now, you don't understand, but you will later. Everyone say later. Look at your neighbor and say, you'll understand it later. 
when God comes through, you understand why there was that delay. I said recently, and I've not preached on this much, Deuteronomy 29, 29. Everyone needs a file called 2929. I want to tell you why. A lot of scholars taught me this when I was young. Deuteronomy 2929 says, The secret things belong to the Lord. But those which things are revealed belong to us. Which means there's a category of things that you're never going to understand on this earth. Never. You better get you a 2929 file. And you just put it in there and say, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't understand this delay. I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand why that didn't come through for me. But I'm going to put this in a Deuteronomy 29.29 file and just say, I love you anyway. The secret things belong to you, and you're not explaining that to me right now. But I thank you for everything you have revealed to me. You see, because basically we're saying, Jesus, if you don't, Jesus is saying, if you don't allow me to work unhindered in your life, the results aren't going to be the same because God always does what is right. I want you to say, God always does what is right. He always stands true to his word. He's always consistent. Maybe he's delayed so that he can prove to you out of Nehemiah 9 and 33. Oh God, you are just in all that has befallen us. Meaning what they missed was they said he's lowly and riding on a donkey. But what they missed was that he's just, which means completely fair and impartial. That he always does what's right for you. And that he has salvation. Everyone say salvation. So sometimes how he comes and when he comes looks lowly and we misunderstand it. But we cannot overlook the scripture and the context of the text that says he comes, he's just, and he has salvation. I want you to say, my God saves. Say it again. My God saves. Isaiah says, therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. His grace comes to those who wait. 18b says, therefore he will be exalted that he might have mercy on you. God is exalted when we're humbled and the biggest thing that humbles us is waiting is God choosing how he comes, when he comes, the way he comes. Have you ever hurried up to catch a plane or hurried up to get into that thing only to heard that your plane was delayed and you had to wait two hours. Come on, somebody. I'm going to tell you something this morning. Come help me, musicians. I got another point, but I'm going to start winding it down. Listen to me. God sometimes hurries or waits a long time. Everyone say waits a long time. Let's all say it together. Waits a long time to hurry up at the end. Sometimes it seems he's waiting forever. He loves the midnight hour. He is a dramatic God. He has special effects. Pastor Hank and I were hurrying somewhere. He goes, well, we heard in here just to wait. And God looks like he's slowing down. I'm going to tell you something this morning. I hope this encourages you. My husband, evangelist Hank Davis, prayed for me three years after we divorced. Three years. 365 days times three. Add it up. When God moved on my heart, me having no communication with him, I thought about this morning. God did the work in me in under 21 days. Come on, somebody. Sometimes God will look like he's slow, but he'll move in at a moment that you least expected. But if you've got to tallyate when he comes or tabulate, Isaiah 30 and 15 says, in returning and rest. Someone say returning. And rest shall you be saved. In quietness and confidence you shall be saved. Go ahead and help me, musicians. Listen to this before we get to the third point. What I love when Jesus showed up, Lazarus was dead. But what I loved is it was Martha 
busy, task-oriented Martha. You got to have them. I'm a Martha and a Mary. And she said, Lord, my brother whom you love so much, he died and you knew he was going to die. I mean, in my mind, she could have said, you could have sent spit. You could have sent a handkerchief. And sometimes I feel that way with the Lord. Is anybody else like, Lord, you could have done it this way. Come on. Lord, you could have done it this way. Lord, you could have done it this way. But you didn't do any of that. But then this one Martha says, though, that conjunction that's so powerful. But even now, someone say, but even now. But even now, you can still do something. That's the apex and the, cry, the very crux of faith. Even now, you can still do something. It looks like it's getting too late. It looks like for this to come through, that's not going to happen. But you know what? I'm not going to hang with the doubters and the stealers of faith. No, Lord. I'm going to say, here I am.
53 says Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of peace of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. You see, Jesus at Calvary received the authority through the blood of his covenant to heal you and I of our wounds in our mind, of our wounds in our spirit, of our bruises in our heart, healing in our body, authority over everything. He gained when he was resurrected. He went to the grave. He rose up with an authority. I'm going to tell you something this morning. When you rise up out of the things that you're in the middle of, you will rise up with an authority. Someone give Jesus praise this morning. Come on. That's a word for somebody. Somebody give Jesus praise. about 12, you come out on the other side with an authority to help those that are going through it. Come on, somebody. You come out with an authority to speak life. You think all that bleeding I did through the suffering, through everything I went through, my own pain, what I caused myself and others. He says, that's okay. I'm going to bring the bowl from my heavenly throne room, and I'm going to catch if it were the blood from your suffering and I'm going to reach in and I'm going to speak through you with my mighty utterance and I'm going to love through you and I'm going to encourage others through you and I'm going to sense others see that I the Lord can take that which was meant to destroy you and use it to raise others up your suffering will not have been wasted somebody give Jesus praise come on come on somebody give Jesus praise Straight at those that are depressed, to those who have battled body and healing in their body. 
I raise a hallelujah louder than my unbelief. I raise a hallelujah, my weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah, heaven comes to fight for me. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder. You're going to hear my praise roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah, I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. That's where I got my title. I raise a hallelujah. Fear, you've lost your hold on me. She recorded it. They sent it by phone immediately to the CEO of Bethel, the father of Jax. They played the, the untouched, unedited version over and over and over of Jax and over and over. And hour by hour went. And on Christmas Day, little Jax woke up. He started speaking. He had a miraculous resurrection. Give Jesus a praise. Someone say hallelujah. I don't know if we, I don't know what we can sing, but I just want 